Hey guys, welcome to the Trailblazers Journey podcast. I'm your host, Simon Majid, personal transformation and well-being coach and speaker. In this episode, I am joined by Bryony Farah. Bryony is a founder of the Bee Movement, which runs classes in flexibility, pole dance, acrobatics and aerial hoop. I invited Bryony onto the podcast to dive deep into our relationship with the body as women. This is actually something that came up for me last year. As a woman born into a Muslim family, I was confronted with some deep truths last year around my own relationship with my body and also how I perceive other women and their relationship with theirs. I did a lot of work around my own judgments and projections and having reached a place where I feel I've reconciled with my own limiting beliefs around the body, I felt that it was a great time to invite Bryony here as all of her work centres around taking ownership of your body and therefore yourself. We also chat about the work she has been doing in the diversity and inclusion space as a white woman who once feared external judgment from others. Do share this podcast with anyone in your life who you think would benefit so that we can inspire as many people as possible. And if you feel as though this podcast is giving you value in your own life, you may want to support this work by making a donation. You can do this via the link in the show notes. Now, on to the episode. Hello, I'm Bryony um, and I am the owner of The Bee Movement, which is all sorts of classes at the moment all online. But I do pole dance, aerial hoop, uh, acrobatics, so handstand focused, um, contortion style classes, lots of flexibility focused classes, so splits, back bends, and everything like that. Some choreography, pole dance choreography classes, and floor work. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Amazing. So, welcome. Thank you. To the podcast. So, me. lovely to have you here. So, Bryony, tell us a little about uh, a little bit about your journey um, to kind of where you are now. So, what was it that kind of um, led you to what you're doing now? Um, so, I've been a PA for year when I moved to London about eight years ago, straight into being a PA, and then I used to teach um, pole dancing after work every night. And every single day as a PA, I thought. I just had this thought in my head that was like, I don't, I shouldn't be in an office. I should be out there. My body was screaming, like mm. you shouldn't be sat in an office. And I didn't know what it was yet. Um, yeah. And I taught lots of pole dancing in gyms in studios and all over London and then decided to open up my own pole dance studio with a lady that I met that she um, teaches yoga. And we opened up this little studio in West London and that was running for about two years. Um, and then I decided to leave London. So just stuff happened that it came to the point where it was the end of my time in London. And then I ran away and went traveling for a few months and then found myself in Derby working in a gym and starting to recreate, I guess, what I love and finding out what I actually love teaching and who I can attract doing this um if that makes sense <laughs> and then yeah left the gym and spread my wings and found um it was it, this year this june it will be two years of the bee movement um wow yeah that doesn't feel like two years obviously from what we've been through this year uh but yeah last june was a year of when i made the bee movement um yeah Amazing. So talk a little bit uh, about the, the kind of period before you started teaching. So how long had you been pole dancing? How had it, was it a hobby? Did you, were you trained, were you a trained dancer before? Yeah. Like how, what happened before uh, kind of 
the period before starting it as a business, I know that you talked about like you, you were in an office, you really wanted, your body was crying out to, to, to be out there. So, uh, so where did the pole dancing journey begin for you? The pole dance journey started at university in Bath. Um, okay. Just with my friends, we just went for fun. And it, I always did acrobatics as a kid and started dance and then that kind of just took a back seat no not a professional dancer at all um just fell in love with the acrobatic side of pole dance um then it's quite a funny journey for me because then as soon as I moved back from university there's a lady that was teaching in Dali Abbey she doesn't teach there anymore but she was like oh I've got I think you'd be a really good teacher and I had no idea I was like what is she talking about yeah (laughs) so I used to teach these like strength and stretch classes um, after university. So then that moved me, when I moved to London, that moved me into the bigger world of pole dance where I started at um, somewhere called the London Academy of Pole Dancing. And they like assessed me properly. And um, then, yeah, it just, it's a weird journey for me because it just happened. And then I fell in love with the teaching side. But from that, I then met so many other teachers and discovered all the sides of pole dancing amazing so what was it about pole dancing for you that captivated you at university um for me it's really the acrobatic side so the handstands and the flexibility yeah um and it was so when was this 10 years ago (laughs) and it was Mm. so it was pretty new then that it was and there was a whole new art form that it was pole um so people were doing it you're doing it for fitness but you don't even know that you're doing fitness you don't go enter a class thinking I'm going to the gym it was more that you're dancing around a pole throwing yourself upside down and then someone was like hey wait you've got muscles in your arms you've got abs not even noticing your body's changing because of how much fun you have doing it I love that I saw the pole dance world until like yeah, until I got to London. It was very oh, right. It was very much uh I saw the fitness side of it. I love that because I I you know, I I promote like exercise for health rather than aesthetics. Yeah. But the side effect of uh of exercise or strength training is aesthetics yeah. and I actually it is a really nice feeling like when you look at your body and you're like oh I've got muscles it is actually really nice yeah uh, so I love that I love the fact that it yeah like you go in there for fun and yeah it takes that kind of uh, for many people that kind of oh I've got to go to the gym it takes that out of it you know and makes it a lot more fun I love that so of course, with pole dancing, you know, um, it takes a lot of body confidence as well to, 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 to get there to, you know, especially with the kind of attire that you're in and stuff. So have you always been body confident? No, absolutely okay. not. Yeah, massively, right. massively not. Um, and I was looking back to my younger, looking at school and university. Yeah, really, really um if I'm totally honest comparing myself constantly to other girl other women other girls thinking why I I want like my obsession is um oh it's I don't, <laughs> it's yeah. like anyone having like small arms and small shoulders it's so weird because yeah. in pole dance world they're the things you're gonna uh they get bigger um anyway yeah so always comparing myself always looking for validate someone to say I look nice okay and I there's probably places where that's come from from a younger childhood so I guess I never looked inward to myself I was always looking for other people to say Mm. talk about my body or I became very didn't want to talk about my body and that I would um, obsess over wanting to look like someone else. And I wow. think I think when you look back to teenager, I think everyone did that because it's kind of that natural stage of what's happening to my body. Yeah. So I guess I'm looking into that. And obviously you've got hormones and your body changes. But yeah, it's quite scary to look back and think that. And so when did it change then for you? Like when um, did you become more confident? It's still 
a journey. Um, right. Yeah, it's, um, but probably, yeah, massively when I started pole dancing. And also to go kind of off the pole dance topic, who, you, who I became friends with after university and me and two friends went traveling for six months and just getting used to your body as you grow up and through pole dance, it was very much, no one's looking at me. No one's looking at my body. People are saying, wow, you just did an amazing move. You've just mm-hmm. done a trick. Oh, my splits are getting better. Oh, now I can back bend like I did when I was a kid. Yeah, people are looking at how powerful your body is and you're looking at the tricks and the moves and saying, I want to try that. I want to do that. I guess I started thinking about insecurities. So then realizing my own insecurities and a lot of my, when I opened up my own studio in London and spoke to a lot of my students and then when they share all their insecurities, then you feel okay about sharing yours. Mm -hmm. So it kind of became, maybe I was 24 and started having discussions about insecurities. Um, So then it grew from there, I think. And I've had people message me that I don't look at their bodies, but they message me and say, I no longer sit covering my stomach anymore after starting pole dance. I'm a lot more confident and like have my arms back and do. So I remember a girl, there's a girl in my head that I remember texting me saying that. And that I think is a big uh, corner that you turn when you start thinking, okay, this isn't people, it's not about how we look. It is such a feeling inside. Is it also because you you just stop caring so much? God, yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah, I would really hope. I mean, people, we make jokes within the studio and you joke about, oh, the lighting in here or the mirrors, but you you don't, yeah, the caring isn't there about how you look. Yeah. Because there's a sense of, well, I don't know, fr- like your body's so powerful. So, you know, when you're um, pole dancing, what would you like? Because obviously it's very visual, you know, like when obviously uh, someone looks at your social media, it's very visual. So what would you like people to see and feel when they kind of watch you pole dance? Um, It's, I'm kind of going to repeat, but it's about, maybe watching the experience. It's not about just she's on the pole. It's about the experience that you've been through. I guess all uh, forms of dance are sharing and it's personal experience. Um, mm. So for me, it's if I am going to post, say me dancing, I always have this gut feeling of, I hope this inspires somebody that they might want to start their own journey and that I it's taken me years to get to this and I think that's really interesting that it's a really good question because it's it's why why do we why do we do it yeah (laughs) it is it is yeah because you know there is that question of um I think you know being you know as as a dance lover myself um I think what you look like again it has is always has always been secondary to me in the sense that I'm sharing something because I it gives me so much joy and and love and I I, and I think like of course you know like uh, as you know like I love belly dance and belly dance is really sexy yeah but I never really see the I never really see the sexiness when I watch a dancer. I'd see, I do, but I don't, that's not my main focus. I yeah. think it's, it's, they provoke a feeling in me and I'm just like, wow, they're so amazing. So for me, I'm almost immune to the, yeah. but I know that I'm like that, but many people aren't. So many people who watch belly dance, they will only see that sexiness, that kind of flesh, the skin, you know, the, the tiny little outfits, you yeah. know? So that, I guess that's what my question is. Yeah. Like, what, what do you want, you know, you know, what do you want people to, to feel or see? Um, I like that. I, this is a really personal uh, 
view but I really like that I really like that people have questions and that people are curious yeah I really like that some people can't understand um that it might that it's an art form yeah some there's something else to it I don't know why I like the mysteriousness of some people not knowing um they and just seeing it as sexy I, yeah. I don't know I quite like that I think it's really interesting and and my the people that do my um, Friday night class, the choreography, and they know that when I teach, I don't just go heel clack, boom, shake your bum. Yeah. They know that in uh, a technical dance class, I come in with all the other parts and I will say, uh, tell me what you're feeling. Tell me, like in the last one before lockdown, what I don't even know what month that was, um, I created a routine that was, it, it, it is sexy and it's sensual, but I made them have a theme behind it that was mindful. Mm. And they all took, they all took it. I was so nervous when I was explaining this class, went full steam ahead with the mindfulness aspect of it. And they all danced. Yeah, I could look at it as a teacher and think, wow, God, you're being so sexy. I haven't seen you dance like that before. And that's interesting because then I don't really know what's going on in their head that's bringing out that side of them, if that makes sense. If that, do you I love that. Think? I love that. I think it, I think that's when, uh, you know, that's when it becomes more spiritual. Which again, people don't understand is the fact that you, once you start embodying it, what you know, once you start embodying the the dance and you let go, you you let go of what going on in the mind and you really get into the body yeah. that's 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 when you evoke a feeling in another as yeah. well because otherwise it's just technical right it's just moving the body there's and, nothing more yeah and there was times uh, my favorite I think I was filming someone because I like to them to film themselves and I they were in a group of three and there was a time they were all in a different place in their mind but when it all came together I, it, yeah it was amazing to watch and the other girls that we were sat watching we were all like oh, I really like felt it wow but even though to somebody else it could just be that they were doing a nice sexy routine so it's it's yeah I love that yeah it's cool yeah yeah that's a really interesting question actually and uh, yeah and uh, yeah as an observer does it yeah it makes me think is it dependent on where you're at in your journey and what you see? Yeah. Yeah. And Interesting. Different, yeah. Different bodies, different, um, what's the word? Uh, history. Um, but maybe different dance forms. So one, uh, one of the ladies, I know she's got a ballet background. Yeah. So she danced very differently to somebody that's got just like, looks going out on a Friday night to heavy metal clubs background. Yeah. So that kind it's really interesting seeing or someone that's never danced in their life background. It's really, yeah. but they still all, in my head, they still all came together. Not that they needed yeah. to, but it was just, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, it's just a shared experience. Yeah. It's a shared experience. And I think that's really empowering. Yeah. Really empowering. So, um, on the on you know following that have you ever had any criticism for what you do um yeah and again it, it's to me it's laughable but then I totally understand it as a serious issue on social media and on other platforms um I I laugh because now I don't get anything I think I've created a barrier <laughs> that says do not even comment. Um, so what yeah. kind of comments were you getting? Oh, a bit rude to say on the... <laughs> because the thing is, you know, I think I think it's important. Um, people say, do you want to dance on my pole? Uh, okay. A lot of pole puns that are obviously rude. Right. And I used to, when I had my own studio in London and I was to promote classes, so say if I put, Oh, I can't think of an example now. Um, other ways to use the pole. If I was doing like a backbend with my feet on the pole, then loads yeah. of guys would comment. Oh, yeah. And 
I kind of laugh off those things. I don't know where, that's maybe just how I am. But growing up, I've then become very, um, it's okay to laugh at things because everyone loves an innuendo. But (laughs) when it's, if it was against someone, if it was judgmental and totally out of line, yeah. Um, But again, the critiques are quite interesting because you wonder, that's totally your view. If you are someone that's only ever been to a strip club, that's your view of what I do. Yeah. I'm also with, stand with strippers. So I'm like, that's cool. That's their job. (laughs) What's your judgment? What's your, what's your, what's your, I guess it's the um, perspective argument, isn't it? That's your perspective on what I'm doing. And have you have you always been like that? Um, yeah, I that's good. Since in, yeah, and even if someone said about calling it pole fitness, I have always it's it's history and its origin is from yeah, it's pole dance. Um, yeah. And I've never really been, uh, there's been no, and uh, never any shame there. I will happily tell someone I'm a pole dancer. Yeah. And I let yeah. them, I don't, I don't let them ask me any more questions. I let them wonder what type. I just, yeah. Ah. I, think it's- I, lo- I love the fact that you said that no one says anything anymore because you've, uh, it sounds like even psychologically, you've created a boundary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like in in no in terms of you know what I am good with this this is who I am and you know I'm not interested in your critique almost yeah like you could give up those that energetic kind of vibration where you're like don't even go there I love that yeah and I think the pole dance world has grown so much since yeah since I started that to me, like you said about belly dancing, to me, it's just, it's a world that I'm in. So it's totally normal. Like yeah. I, love when, I love it when the student starts and then they start searching on Instagram and they're like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it, and it, yeah, like I was saying earlier, that's your normality. So you don't see, yeah. you don't see um, the kind of um, taboo or this like, you know, like around it, you, it's just your world. Yeah, the boundary, I think, also a lot in the last couple of years um from leaving london derby being a lot smaller place i've created this don't label me as a pole dancer like it's what i do but it's not yeah it's not what i am so yeah i do it it's i love that and i think that's maybe where that stronger barriers come from is because i'm more i'm i'm a human (laughs) treat me like a a pole dancer I love that. You know, once I heard, um, I can't, it was a really famous model. Like we're talking like supermodel. And she said that I'm not a model, I model. And I I love that because it was like her saying that I am, you know, this doesn't define who I am because I am beyond that. And it's what you've just said. You know, I'm not a pole dancer. Uh, I pole dance or I teach you know yeah Uh, yeah. love that so you know like someone who was um, really self-conscious about their body and showing kind of showing their body what what would you say to someone yeah I I've had that a lot with with eight years teaching experience I've had it I've had it a lot um and I invite them to come. I would always say, come try a class. I would say, you do not have to take off any, any clothes yet. Come mm. do a few spins. And when we're doing stuff where we need your skin, I'll just keep teaching you some spins around the pole. Um, and it's, yeah, I I love it because they then get to see um, what you do, you need your skin for what you are using your skin on the pole for and as much as I totally am happy if someone's like I'm not ready to take my leggings off I just say that's fine um but you know we'll get to a point where you can't do the other stuff because you're not using your skin on your legs and then not in like a I'd say it's fine you can keep coming and spinning around (laughs) yeah 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 um yeah and 100% at like 
of the time people will start it's hilarious that they'll start taking their leggings off and they've got like shorts on then they take start taking the top off because I'll say you're gonna need your belly skin for this one um and that's the most amazing thing I think that I witness somebody releasing the clothes and show it like you said the flesh and it's all for the pole it's not for it's not for anyone else it, and and I think what I've always um what I've always wanted to do and achieve in my classes in a, in a studio is never ever have anyone in the studio that is judgmental to somebody else mm. I wouldn't stand for it and I haven't luckily touch wood I haven't had it um because all they all know that I've got that vibe and I I would just never I would never ever stand for it and I think that's what helps when you walk in and I kind of say it sounds a bit uh sounds a bit wash away but I'm always like no one's looking at you no one's looking mm. at your body and even though that might sound a bit like oh <laughs> well maybe I won't be um <laughs> yeah but then they realize and then my favorite thing ever is someone will buy a new pole dance set they walk in everyone yeah. and it's yeah it's a powerful powerful team we've got at the moment and I think they all they all leave with a sense of uh, they might have secret body hang-ups and you know we all have those tiny little things that we're not confident about our body but they leave feeling powerful and confident so it's it's like we're trying to we're not forgetting it it might always be there the but what's happening in your body but you can still create a feeling within you within your soul I love that and you know what I didn't know that I didn't know that the skin was used as part of the yes <laughs> I didn't know that so I've learned that today ah. I just thought that went with the whole kind of image of it like taking your clothes off I thought that was just part of the kind of image of pole dance rather than to make it look aesthetically yeah. like it's supposed to but I didn't actually know that you actually needed your flesh to to do some of the movements yeah some of the wow. poses yeah you would need you need your belly your bum your oh. armpit skin yeah some painful moves and if oh you're my sitting goodness floor and you need your thigh I've got like some students always send me like remember my first shorts because <laughs> I'd be telling them you need to pull it up you need to get it right and um, pull it right in so that you can sit on the pole because otherwise you just slide down and then they look at me like why am I sliding like you've got to get this short tie I, I um yeah I didn't know some people go absolutely never getting my belly out and then when I show them you need you need that belly and it's interesting the different types of bodies and we talk about it in my place we will all talk about like oh actually I'm a bit bigger so I find that move a bit easier because I've got Mm. more belly going on there some people that uh, might be slimmer struggle sitting because there's not as much so it's, it's an interesting but it's okay to have those um, things that you're better at and not as good at because yeah. we've all, that's another thing that shows how much your body is capable of doing different. Some people love spinning around the pole. Some people hate it. Some people yeah. love being upside down. Some people prefer to just sit. It's yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, that's <laughs> fascinating, Bryony. Honestly, that's, that's fascinating. So um, what would you say to, women and there are plenty of them who and I probably could say that I've probably been there myself if I'm honest who were kind of judgmental about another woman showing flesh in a in a pole dance environment generally okay um I think if someone was to judge me as a woman showing flesh um like you say, not necessarily on on the pole. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of yoga people do where we do, you wear cropped up and shorts as well. There's yeah. there's, there's our other uh, there's lots of sports uh, gymnastics where they don't wear much and volleyball. Um, I think I would say to look further into it, look beyond the flesh, look beyond the skin, 
and as a woman, um, especially for pole, it's, I guess if we go completely away from the flesh, it's figuring out who we are as women, figuring out our place in this world, figuring out uh, when I'm allowed, when am I allowed to be sexual, but not have someone think I'm trying to turn them on? When am I allowed to um, enjoy my body and be like, show my flesh without someone judging me? When, yeah. when is it not sexual? And is that all perception of society, how we've been brought up? Um, and I think it's just looking a bit further into the person than judging them for just skin. Mm. Um, and I think that goes, that goes wider, doesn't it? Than, than just what I, just me, that goes. Yeah, and I think also, you know, I think um, it's it's not just looking at you and trying to understand you, it's trying to understand yourself. Yeah. Trying to understand yourself and, yeah. you know, because like I was saying that, that it's been conditioned. And I think growing up in a minority background, I probably did look at a lot of white women and think that was part of their privilege. Yeah. Because I didn't have that freedom to show and I, you know, and 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 to to, to shed that is is it's taken so much work. Yeah. And but I think there's so many women in my situation before who probably haven't done the inner work. And I think it goes back to who you are as a woman and and looking at your fears and yeah. looking at your barriers. And I think that's what I'm that's what I'm curious about is the fact that. Because yeah. you come from a very different culture to many other women. Um, so, yeah, that was... that was. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's such an interesting topic. Uh, and I think, you know, I've heard women say... I've heard women say, well, you know, if I trigger you, you know, we'll get over it kind of thing it's actually quite hard to get over when you've been conditioned yeah. in a certain way, like, you know, or, you know, like, and I, I think, I think, um, and it's quite serious because I think it knocks a woman's confidence, you know, when she's, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. I don't, I, think it's, I think it's really, I hate that. Well, if you're triggered, I hate that. Uh, I think it's really important for women that we, I used to get it at a gym where they'd go, oh, make my legs like her legs. And I mm -hmm. would cringe and roll into a ball and be like, I don't, I just hate the thought of somebody else not liking their body. Like it, it makes me, like it makes me feel ill that, mm -hmm. that I would never ever dream of um, if someone judged me, I probably I would be nice back to them because I'd wonder where that's come from. Yeah. And I think I would wonder rather than that's just how I am. And sometimes it, it, it's not great because it um, gets into my head. Um, but yeah, I would wonder. I did have there was a few Muslim girls that I taught in London that had to they asked me, I think they asked me not to take any pictures. And not yeah. to anyone, not, not that I would tell people, but not um, make sure I, that the door was shut. It was in a gym, so they needed to make sure no yeah. one was coming in when they had their shorts on. Um, and that, I think I was, that's when I first moved to London. So I think I was like, not experienced that before. And I think yeah. I, I asked her a load of questions. I think she was like, okay. <laughs> but yeah. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to, well, I doesn't want to cross any barriers, but at the same time, I wanted her to enjoy herself. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, and also, if they're there, then they're chosen to be there, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. So, and that's a positive. I think that's a real positive. Yeah, it you was, know. yeah, it was really nice. And I think, yeah, judgment, judgment's horrible. We've all done it. We've all, we all have done it and hopefully you learn or it's that engraved in your brain that you do it accidentally. Well, that's it, and I think that's it. It's about being um, unconscious, and, and and you know, and then when you bring it to the surface, you become conscious and you become aware. But you know, I feel like I've been, um, I, I've always felt a bit self-conscious about be, dressing so modestly. Uh, okay. 
So it's it's really interesting. I find this subject really interesting. I feel like people probably think I'm not fun because I dress oh modestly. Yeah. So there's so many. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. I um, I um, did some work with a photographer recently, and I I always I don't know if people my students probably notice, but I always wear a big baggy t-shirt, and that's just purely. I think it's come from the women's comments of oh well you're fine because you're slim you're mm. fine you, like you've got nothing to worry about you don't need to worry about food and so those comments have drilled into me I don't want to show people my body because I don't want the those little comments so when I'm teaching I'm always like in a baggy t-shirt and um I actually saw Billie Eilish I can't remember where it was or where I read it but she says the reason that she wears like big baggy clothes and baggy trousers is because then no one judges her for how her body shape is. No one judges her for what she, I don't know this word for word, but this is what she kind of said, is that then no one knows what you your your body shape is. Yeah, but that's sad. Yeah. And it shouldn't be like that. I think that's the thing. I think we, we should, you know, and I think it's easier said than done, but we all need to get to a place where we can be who we are. And yeah. if we want to show our body, we. but I do think that it's actually, you know, like you see all these posts on social media and it's like, you know, this person's fine, this person's fine and just accept them. But I think to get to that place, I think there is some inner work that has to be done for you to get to a place where you can just show your body without fear, not have to wear a baggy t-shirt. And for me to get to a place where I can dress modestly and not have to worry that, I'm going to be judged for being boring and, you know, uh, not fun. And I think that's the thing. It's like, yeah, and and not judge anyone else. And I think yeah. and, you know. social media is a big part of it, isn't it? Yeah. We, we're kind of, it's training us to judge. It's training us to compare. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. like you've said, we've got to consciously, 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 consciously look into that and say, God, why, why, why am What's I? What's triggering me? Like, what is yeah. it? Yeah, and really get to the bottom of it and really get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's a, it's a conversation, I guess, that needs to continually be had. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's my good old phrase of make sure, you, make sure you're creating your unique hold answer than... There's so many famous, worldwide famous pole dancers that we we get lots of inspiration inspir inspiration from on social media. But I always say to my student, like, don't don't take that. I want to be her. Take no. it. I want to be you. I don't want to be the next um, Maddie Sparkle. I want to create my own vision of. Yes. You can happily be inspired from them. Um, it's again, that's a really hard journey because it's in our face. And also, and you when you, you lay, have, yeah. Sorry, Briny. Yeah, when, yeah. I was just gonna say when you lay on your bed in lockdown and there's nothing to do and you just scroll in looking at, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, they're amazing. Yeah, but then the thing is, then that's where it's more about well, instead of scrolling and looking at everyone else, go the other way, go inwards, yeah. you know, and you know, because that that will benefit you a lot more yeah. than actually watching other people. And I think. So, it, for pole dance as well, it can be it can be a lovely like ten year long journey. You might start off as pole fitness in your uh, fitness gear. You might have a year where you really enjoy the sensual side. You buy loads of heels. You buy knee pads and your hair and hair flick. You might then think actually I'm really enjoying more of an artistic side. Throw the heels away and get your socks on and just slide yeah. around the pole. Or you might become, um, they have something called pole theatre where you become more of a drama. So it's it will always change, like you said earlier, on what's happening in your life, where you are in your life. Yeah, yeah maybe in your 20s, you're loving your body, feeling really sexy. Turn 30, yeah. you're like, oh, maybe I'm a bit, bit more deeper. Maybe I'm artistic and dramatic. <laughs> I love this pole journey. I'm kind of visualising it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it so you're really passionate about mental health and you do a lot of work around that so talk a little bit more about that Bryony um 
I think just a short story of why mental health is so important to me is because when when I was in a really uh, I hate saying dark place when I was in a horrible um, whirlwind mm. I felt really lonely really really lonely I didn't this was about seven years ago uh, in London I didn't really dare tell anyone and I had a bad doctor's experience where they thought I had vertigo and I had a panic attack in M&S and I went to hospital and no one knew what was wrong with me whereas I think I look back and if someone would have just sat me down and said you're anxious and you're panicking okay my whole this whole last seven eight years would have been completely different because I became and I bet a lot of people can um empathize with this I became worrying about worrying I was so scared every single day scared to wake up and panic or scared to wake and Um, it's not just panic is it it's the feeling it's this consuming feeling of worry and mine was very physical I used to go into work and constantly have a headache and constantly feel sick and then that would bring on a panic attack so it's and then I used to go to bed crying it was such a I mean, I look back, I think it's crazy that I survived London (laughs) because I was in a really, really, really horrible place that I didn't, I didn't know any way out. I didn't believe there was a cure. Right. I didn't know that you could um, turn your life around. I absolutely had no idea. And I thought I have to accept how my life is until, until an older guy, I think, late 30s um just came downstairs one day in the office and just said like it must have been quite big for him to do this but he said you know I've had help and I know that you can get help and I was like what I was like what do you mean (laughs) and he just spoke to me about um at that time I did CBT cognitive behavioral therapy yeah and I didn't know what it was and I was a bit like what do you mean who can I who can cure this? Because it's in my mind. Yeah. And it is a cycle that you have people. Yeah. You just have no idea how someone can change that cycle of yeah. anxious, sick, headache. And when you have moments of feeling good, let's say good, the word good, it will creep back in because I suddenly would go, oh, I feel all right. And then I yeah. would be like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have celebrated. I shouldn't have said I feel okay because now oh. I, now the, the, anxiety creeps yeah it was yeah consuming Mm. is the word um so realizing when he spoke and then I spoke to friends and then it there was a stage when it became a bit like everyone would I guess it's a little bit like that now when people just say the word anxiety and it's thrown off or oh you're just blaming anxiety and you'd be Mm. like oh god so is this now um how what's the word um just becomes just a word yeah my my sister works in mental health so I was really lucky with that situation she couldn't help me but she could at least explain that it's a thing yeah and then I started opening up I think I felt the need that I had to get everything that I was going through and tell people um and the one small bit of advice my sister gave me was go just go read the mind website she didn't Mm. say go to therapy she didn't say go she said just go and look at what it says on the website and all like straight away I just read other people's stories and I remember just thinking I'm not alone yeah that's the scariest thing yes feeling like you're completely alone and then reading that other people are going through similar um yeah life-consuming I remember in CBT I just said every day I just said I can't do this every single day and she was going but it's not every day is it and I was like yeah it is <laughs> and she was saying but it's not there, are, there will be times when you're not anxious and I was like oh yeah mm-hmm. um that's quite a big <laughs> yeah um so it was your own basically experience which is now why you're so passionate yeah and then because I then seeked uh how I think it became opening up I think it became talking about it that then lots of other people would talk about it and then and then I was quite happy to say to someone I'm really anxious I need I need a a break 
And that's quite interesting as well. I remember then I met and I moved jobs and met another lady that um, had had, a, we just spoke about panic attacks. So then I was like, wow, it like someone else, very similar kind mm. of panic attack feeling that we, you know, some people get hilarious things. Like I used to get like my chin would shake. So right. was such a physical thing, but other people get pins and needles. Other yeah. People, it's the chest tightness. So then I, yeah, and it just, that is what changed me that I thought, wow, we can talk about it. And uh, at that time, I didn't know how I was going to get over it, but the talking about it. Um, and I did um, a charity event for Mind. And I just had this huge need that I needed to thank everyone around me because I thought I I probably couldn't have done all that without being oh. able to speak to everyone that was there. And I, I was so nervous that the, I had like a compare that was a comedian and she um, she wanted me to speak. And I was like, I can't, I can't stand on a stage. I think there was about 200 people and then I just stood on the stage and it was, it just, all I wanted to say was thank you because yeah, everyone around that time knew what I'd been through and they have no idea how they helped me, but from just being able to listen, uh, not, not like listen in a deep way, but just listen and, and kind of just, I guess it's letting you get on with your life, even though you're anxious. Yeah, well, the, the thing is, sometimes the anxiety doesn't permanently go away, but you just learn how to deal with it, you know. And um, I think what's really nice there is the fact that often people, when they get better, they forget, like, the journey and they forget that where they came from and, like, what they were like. And I think that's really nice that you kind of acknowledged and you acknowledged that these charities or these people helped you, yeah. uh, which is really, really lovely. I think that's really nice. And then I think everyone that I would meet um, with anxiety or some kind of disorder like that, yeah, you you realize you become really empathetic because I remember yes. I remember saying to someone like I would never ever 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 wish on my worst enemy a panic attack because it's probably the scariest mm. it's just the scariest feeling of thinking that you're yeah. Um, so that's, I think that's where my huge empathy came from because I thought, God, if, if I, if I saw someone else go through that, it would, yeah, it would really, really, and I have seen people go through it. And when you're kind of, I'm somewhere where I wasn't seven years ago. Yeah. You create a huge empathy. And most people that I've met with um, having had anxiety or panic attacks, have that empathy as well. It's like it yeah. comes with it because you're... Well, you've been there. Yeah. You've already kind of walked in their shoes. Yeah. You know, I I, um, I had a client once and, um, you know, the mind mind can make you do odd things. And, um, you know, she'd come to a session, she'd be like, Simon, you're going to think I'm batshit crazy. This is what I did. And I'd be like, no, I don't. I really don't <laughs> like things that she was like, like bring it up. She thought I was really going to judge. And I was like, no, I'm not. It's not no big deal. Like it's fine. You know, which you know, always be like, you're going to think I'm batshit crazy. <laughs> like, it's so funny. So, um, I know I was really cute. Actually, it's really cute. So you're also an activist and you've got a campaign around diversity at the moment in the pole world. So what were you observing or feeling which led you to creating that? I think where I am today with it, still learning, and it's still a journey that we'll always be learning about it. I think it started in the first lockdown with the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. And it isn't just the movement, it isn't just... Um, what happened in last uh, July, June, July. Um, I think it's so important that as a white person, you're not just reading about Black Lives Matter, you're reading about white privilege. I mm -hmm. think, because I think that's what kind of changed my head is that you can read a lot and you can, you will never ever as a white person, never be able to experience or 
you can read all the books in the entire world yes. but there will never be a time that you can like have that experience so you've got to look into why the where the white privilege has come from the white supremacy why your background my backs if I'm talking about me I looked at my background and I looked at my upbringing and I it was realizing wow like this is big it was it was really overwhelming and I remember messaging my friends from the same the school that we went to and saying like can we talk about this I need to need to talk to someone and I have this thing in my head where I think I'm really stupid so I went to my (laughs) clever friends and I was like guys (laughs) um and yeah they yeah we just had a really good chat about our childhoods and I think it just yeah everyone woke up everyone well not everyone what were the conversations I'm really intrigued so what Um, conversations were you having I was intrigued to know if I, I was like god am I um am I really blind but then no talking to friends we went to Ecclesbourne in Duffield no yeah we weren't it was 99% white people so figuring out just discussing that um discussing what happened in I wasn't great at school so I (laughs) I can't say that I even listened in history but if but I did know that what I remember of history was the Romans and and even geography. It what and my friend, um, yeah, we spoke about that. No, we weren't taught about the history. Yeah, and but the thing is, I think in history, we're, none of us are taught that stuff. <laughs> none yeah. of us are taught like you know about um civil rights movement or slavery none of us are taught that and I think that's we taught such useless stuff in history I think um which doesn't really help you in the world at all no and I would always joke and say why don't they teach us useful things at school and my mum was like yeah but you didn't listen anyway (laughs) but you know when you think well would I have if it was some yeah something that important how how did we miss it? How? Why do you think you missed it? Uh, the, like, I don't know. History of white teachers teaching white children. Just oh. the learning, but I think you know, like I think the the, the um, so my perspective on this is we live in a we live in a city which is very so me and Bryony live in the same city, and it's very multicultural. But people are in their bubbles. And this is my biggest issue when I came to Derby from London. My biggest frustration was that you never go out and see mixed groups of friends. You're either white friends together or you see brown friends together. There's not a lot of black people, I would say, in Derby anyway. But everyone sticks to their own. And I think that's where the issue is, is that um, with, with, like, is the fact that You know, no one's curious about how the other kind of lives. No one's curious. Yeah. Everyone's just comfortable in a bubble. So, you know, I think that's something that that that, that really used to frustrate me about Derby. Because in London, of course, all my friends were multicultural, all from all over the world. Yeah. Saying that though, in London, you do get like, you know, people from some areas who still live in bubbles, you know, but yeah. my experience of London. So I think that's where you know, the more you open your mind up and the more you embody that in your life as well. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it has started to come into my world and I do discuss it with my friends as well, that like TV shows or especially if we go back to social media, if you look at a clothing brand or um, something like that, you notice, wow, okay, it's all white women and that Mm. for me what's on my social media and again yeah I just massively notice it and I always make a little note in my head going wow like that it's just crazy and so in the pole dance world um for me personally it's a journey that I think I don't we we have so many different types of heritage origin and 
background experience, background upbringing, where your families, um, like how they've been brought up. And what, yeah, like you've said about Derby, why don't we explore that? Why, why do we stay in our bubbles? Why do we stay in this controlled environment? Um, yeah. And every day something comes up that I, even yesterday I saw a post about uh, pregnancy and what happens in how they're trained hospital. And they basically in the training, uh, maybe midwife world, when the training, it's all based on a white baby. So words that they use, mm. jaundice and uh, rashes and um, some of the phrases that they use they're only using an example that this is a white baby that's in some training that's a random example <laughs> but what I mean is I'm seeing something different every day and you and I think in my business and the pole dance world you seeing you are seeing who is actively making a change and it's cool and you're seeing who's um not you're seeing who I, I cringe sometimes and I think oh mm. you, come on this that to, I think because it's so important to me I struggle if someone's not and I've asked friends like well what's your business doing what what like they're doing in the bigger world of all this and I don't get much back and I we've spoken about this from a coaching yeah. perspective is focus on your focus on your own business yeah. but I'm really interested what's going on in the bigger world what is going on with the bigger businesses and the bigger companies but then at least um as a small business and I, I think for my business and from a personal point of view social media okay you can have your upbringing from school and Ecclesbourne was very white you can have like you spoke about bubbles in Derby yeah. and I think it's important that on social media you are seeing different types of people different types mm. of bodies and I think it's really important so that's was my aim for my campaign is that mm. you you aren't just going to look at the same pole dancer that's famous like they're amazing there is nothing against them no but let's shout out for the di the diversity let's shout out for um queer lgbt and shout out for people with different bodies people with disabilities and and then at the moment mine is yeah black black women that are doing pole dancing and then they will say yeah I don't get the um what's the word I don't get the exposure, ah, exposure. yeah I don't get the exposure and um recently my uh, my new teacher that I've hired we had quite a big chat he's Singaporean um and he he openly said that yeah there's some he's a performer and he said there's loads of jobs that I don't get because I'm I'm totally different mm. um and I think that's what moved it for me is looking at my Instagram page and like wow we are yeah a lot of white women and men I think what's so also beautiful is that with you and your work it you'd really it really comes from the heart you didn't jump on a bandwagon you didn't go you know I'm gonna post a black square and then never do anything again <laughs> you know and I think it, it it like it really comes from a visceral place and I think that's really beautiful and I think that's going to be very inspiring for other people and also you say what are the big businesses doing but your small business that's going to be one of those big businesses at some point and so you're, you're, you know, you're leading by example. Yeah. So I think that's really amazing, Bryony. And I think it's um, important for me to go through it and still go through it and keep researching because, because yeah. if I'm, you know, I have black students and I think it's really important. Yeah. To make sure you don't, I have a policy where I do not tolerate racism. And I don't tolerate any kind of bullying or hatred towards anyone. So that's been a massive, massive, I've always been like that, but now to think, right, we've got to put this in place. You've got to actively do it. 
you ever like it's been the biggest thing hasn't it everyone can say I'm not racist but you've got to actively I guess this comes because I own a small business um that's what's big for me at the moment and it's yeah I think that's beautiful. And I think the thing is, you know, even as a minority to step into an environment, which is predominantly white, can be the most intimidating thing ever. I've been there. And so, you know, to see you and what you're doing on social media, you know, straight away, that's going to let you remove those, your guard, you know, and, and go into that environment and not feel so intimidating, knowing that your teacher you know, is, is, is going to make you feel welcome. So I think yeah. really, really nice. I love it. Yeah. It's really yeah. kind of like, like I said, inspiring, refreshing. And it, it comes from a place of um, not being welcome in some places and you're just in your head, you think, God, I would never, ever, ever want anyone to feel like I felt that day. Yeah. A, even a small um, smidgen of, feeling it and you think god I would like yeah that's why I'm so active about it because I would I just don't want anyone to enter the studio and feel feel um uncomfortable or vulnerable because they might feel nervous and sweaty palms but the goal is to make somebody comfortable in a space yes then they can start their journey if you went if you wouldn't you wouldn't go somewhere where you felt yeah uncomfortable I wouldn't anyway. No. Well, you wouldn't return anyway, would you? So what's the bigger vision for the B movement? Um, I think at the moment, the bigger vision is inclusion and this journey that I'm on at the moment. Um, The big, big vision for the B movement is going back into my retreats which I started before yes. COVID um yeah we did did an amazing retreat everyone absolutely loved it it was last January uh it was a huge experience for me because I've never done it before but it has been a dream for god I keep saying five years but I feel like I've been saying that for five years <laughs> um, so it's been a really long dream and it isn't it isn't a retreat um it's an experience for finding people like me. If I think of someone like me, that um, finding, kind of finding the normal in the unnormal. Find of, I, the reason I went away and did crazy things is because of anxiety. I chased mm-hmm. that fear and I did bungee jumps, uh, even though one of my friends forced me. <laughs> um, yeah. And I did, I jumped off cliffs into water, like the water and I would never have ever done that before. And yeah. I still have fear. I still get scared. I talk to my students a lot about fear, um, but I still think just do, do what scares you. It won't, might not cure. I'm still scared of heights, but I still yeah. do things that scare me that are hard. Like I still do those scary things. Um, so I think when I talk about the B movement retreats, I talk about an experience that that could that is more than an experience. It's adventure and exploring yourself. And now that I'm I'm becoming into the spiritual world, it's more about this deep feeling of uh, maybe going into the next stage of your life or feeling a bit lost and feeling. Fear, like I've just said, has always been there for me. So it's trying to um, embrace the fears, um, dig deep into into life. It's life, into living life. Because I think the biggest thing, what I spoke about with my mental health, I wasn't living life because I was so in my head every day. Yeah. And I think when you can get to a place where you can be free and enjoy life, my personal personal view is that's where money goes for me it is spending money on experiences and um life changing experiences so yeah it's not just a retreat yeah <laughs> it's a life changing I, <laughs> I love it i love it so how can people find out more about you briny and so i have a website www.thebeemovement.com um i have an instagram at the bee movement underscore and my personal page is Bryony Farrah and it's public 
I don't post many personal things on there. It's all um, pole dancing and handstand. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Amazing. Well, it's been so, I mean, it's been fascinating. It's been fascinating having you. So thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate and review. And to keep up to date with all of our latest news, follow our page, The Trailblazers Journey on Instagram. Until next time.